My next guest is a trauma surgeon. He's a board-certified general surgeon, and he's a board-certified surgical intensive care doctor. Please welcome my friend, Dr. Francis Ali Osman. Francis, how's it going? Doing good, man. How have you been? Hey, I've been good. Can't complain. Been good. Yeah. Yeah, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, man, for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I'm happy to help in any way and talk a little bit about what I do. Great. Great. So with that, let's get right into it. All right. So what do you do? So I guess my official title would be a, a trauma surgeon, which is obviously a type of doctor. I specialize in, in trauma, which is taking care of anyone that's injured in any way. But I'm also a board-certified general surgeon and a board-certified surgical intensive care doctor. So I do a little bit of all of those things, anything from general surgery to what we call acute care surgery to ICU care, and then obviously taking care of injured patients. Okay. And then for the trauma surgery, for that, you're responsible for, I guess, resuscitating and stabilizing and and later evaluating and managing these patients? Is that what's going on? What's going on there for trauma yeah, surgery? That's actually a pretty good uh, summation of it. Actually, you <laughs> described it better than a lot of people, some of whom are even in medicine. Because, you know, when, when they hear trauma surgeon, the first thing they think is like, oh, you just operate in blood and guts. But a large amount of what I do is seeing the patients when they first come in, in the emergency room, for example, if they were in a car accident, what have you, and stabilizing them. You know, we have a very strict protocol called ATLS that we go through, which is advanced trauma life support, which we we go head to toe and make sure they don't need a breathing tube. If they need one, we put one in. Make sure they don't need a chest tube. Make sure they have good IV access. Make sure their blood pressure is okay. If it's not, then we have to make interventions to try to bring that up. And that's the first part of what I do. Then if they have an injury that's life-threatening, for example, like if they're bleeding internally, then I would take them to the operating room to try to stop the bleeding or, or fix whatever is damaged. Okay. And then now what's the difference between the trauma surgery and you mentioned the acute care surgery. What's the difference between those two? Yeah, that's, that's uh, another great question. So uh, trauma surgery focuses really on only the injured patient. Acute care surgery focuses on anyone coming in with a surgical emergency. For example, if they have a uh, gallbladder that needs to come out or an appendix that's ruptured or a bowel obstruction, bowel perforations, these kind of things. And so um, sometimes I have an incarcerated hernia. These kind of things are more in the acute care surgery realm. We also see a lot of soft tissue infections. Okay. All right. That makes sense. All right. Now with the trauma surgery, it seems like you're having to make these complex decisions in very little time, being very efficient. And it just seems like a, a difficult profession. So can you talk a little bit about the training that you had to do with this? Uh, so talk about, I guess, the trauma surgery fellowship that you went through and any type of training that you had to do? Absolutely. Can we hold just one second? Yep. Yes. I've got the emergency room calling me right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> trauma. And hold on, okay? Okay. So so this is an example of my, <laughs> my life. I'm here on, on duty, and I get called quite frequently from the emergency room or the ICU I've got a, hey, it's Francis Aliazan with trauma. How can I help you? Hey, Pastor, I don't know. Hey. I have have an 85-year-old gentleman 
um, came in uh, with weakness and uh, kind of a mechanical fall. He sort of was uh, weak this morning, slumped down to his knees. Um, I was planning to actually admit him to medicine after his workup, but he has a small fracture of his fifth toe. Okay. That's not operative. So I would just wanted to see if um, yeah, so if you wanted into your service. I'm or, still or I'm, I'm still okay. I'm still okay with him going to the medicine service. But uh, what room is he in? And then I'll make sure I see him and uh, leave the console. Okay, he's uh, in the hallway. Uh, of... Okay, 23 hallway. Okay. Okay, excellent. I'll see him here in just a little bit. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. So just one small example of uh, what I do. Um, you know, the emergency room just called, and there's a gentleman who's fallen and hurt himself, but he has a lot of other medical problems right now. The only injury that they found was a uh, toe fracture. So he's going to go to the to the medicine service, but as a trauma surgeon, they would like me to consult and just kind of look at him from head to toe and make sure that there's nothing more that I, I would recommend that they do. Okay. Wow. All right. We get to see it firsthand how, what goes on. I like that. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully he's okay. But um, all right. So now back to the uh, training. Can you talk a little bit about the training that you had to go through? Yeah, absolutely. It's a pretty long training. Mine was a little longer because I chose to do some additional things during my training. But to start off, obviously, you go to college, graduate from college, and then you get into med medical school. Medical school is four years. You graduate from medical school, and then uh, you have to choose what area you're going to specialize in. For me, I chose general surgery as my area of specialty. So general surgery residency is normally five years. It's one of the longer ones. And for me, I actually did seven years because I did two years of additional research, basic science research. And then after that, I did a critical care fellowship and an acute care surgery fellowship, which was two more years before I was finally board certified in, in all my specialties. Okay. And what made you do the basic science research? Well, you know, at the time, I thought I was probably going to be a uh, scientist slash physician mm -hmm. and work at a uh, academic medical center. My interest changed as I moved on, but I still think that it was a very invaluable experience for me. You know, right. Even now, as it stands, I'm still involved in a, quite a bit of research, but it's all clinical research as opposed to scientific research. And how was that board certification exam? Uh, it's pretty rough. I would <laughs> say it's probably one of the most brutal days of my life. Wow. Um, the, way, the way they do it for surgery is you have a written exam and you have a oral exam. And before you can take the oral exam, you have to pass the written exam. The written exam is like any other exam. Just take it multiple choice. They have a lot of stuff they can ask you. And then the oral exam consists of, you know, they do it a few times a year in a hotel room in some major city. Sometimes it's Philadelphia, Houston, Dallas, L.A., Denver. You know, these are just some of the cities. I did mine actually in uh, Denver. Mm. And, you know, there's a couple, maybe a couple hundred, you know, sur surgeons just like yourself. You just go room to room, and in each room, there's two surgeons who are very experienced who are sitting there just drilling you with questions and scenarios and expect mm. you to answer them appropriately wow. in a very short period of time. And once you get done with one room, then you leave, and then you go to the next room. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a ride. 
passage, you know. Yeah. Like any, any any surgeon can tell you about their boards, that's for sure. Okay. Now, okay, so you have the, the schooling, you did the residency, the research, the fellowship. I know in undergrad, your study habits were were, were great. So can you also just talk about what it, what it took? I know you had to do all those steps, but just talk about what it took to get to surgery, like the nights, the late nights, the, the, the type of studying that you had to do. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, it, it, it started off, I was very fortunate. You know, I have a very, my father is a very intelligent man. He's a PhD in cancer research. And just growing up, he was very, very strict about, you know, us making sure we were taking care of business in school and, you know, and academically. And I think that that helped me a lot. When I got to college, I had to really, really buckle down. You know, my first year, or actually first semester, I did not do very well, you know, because it was a new thing. And it wasn't because I couldn't. I just wasn't focused the way I I needed to be. And then I kind of had a reality check and knew that I wanted to be a physician. And I knew that, hey, this is what you want to do. You got to put in the work. And, you know, it was literally like studying nonstop. And what was crazy was as much as I had to study in undergrad, all that was doing was preparing you for medical school because mm-hmm. the the, uh, the amount of studying in medical school like makes undergrad look like a joke, even really? if you look at your hardest classes. Yeah, because you realize you're in a class now with like, you know, we had about a little over 200 people in my class. All of us were pretty good students from wherever we came from. And then you realize that, man, I'm just average here. You're used to being one of the top students in your class and that's how you got to med school. Now you realize everyone is like you. And so the, the stakes are a lot higher. And, you know, the, 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 the rate at which they teach you information is so much faster and more intense in, uh, in medical school. And I will say that that was one part of it. And then once you get to your third year of medical school, you start clinicals where you still have to take tests, but you expect to show up at the hospital early in the morning every day, start seeing the patients and learning how to take care of them. And so that was another big step as well. But then I will even say that that was not nearly as challenging as when I became a resident. Because at that point, now you're actually taking care of patients and you still have exams Mm. and you have to kind of learn on the fly, take what you've learned so far and really apply that to taking care of your patients. And by the way, be ready for your in-service exam every year. And all of this pressure is designed to get you ready for not only to pass your written and your oral surgical boards, but also when you finally get out there in the real world and someone is putting their lives in your hands. It's a big gauntlet, but uh, every day, you know, very, very grateful for the amazing, outstanding training and education that I got at all of those levels. So now all that training that you've done, but now I'm guessing that you're seeing more different technologies, different techniques, different medicines. What are you doing to stay abreast of, uh, or stay on top of everything? Yeah, so that's another great question. So one of the things that I specialize in myself is, uh, is rib fixation surgery. You know, this is something that's overall in the scheme, in the grand scope of medicine is actually pretty new. I was fortunate enough to be taught it when I was a, uh, a fellow um, in Dallas and to date, one of the world's leaders in rib fixation surgery. It kind of just worked out that way because I didn't believe in it initially, which is what they always taught you. 
then I, I worked with a surgeon that does it, and we've done over 500 of them, and I've published a lot of papers on this. You know, that's probably my area of specialty, although as a trauma surgeon, you do everything, and as an acute care surgeon, whether I'm taking out someone's colon cancer or taking out their stomach cancer or taking out their appendix or keeping them from bleeding to death. This is what I enjoy about trauma surgery and general surgery and critical care is that it's so broad as far as all the things that I do. And each one of them, the skills of each one complement each other very nicely. Oh, okay, great. All right. And so besides operating on your patients, what else are you doing throughout the day? Um, we round on them every day. We take care of them here in the hospital. We make sure we, they're on the appropriate medications, check their labs every day. If we need to order additional imaging tests, we do that. If they have an injury or something wrong with them, that's not in my area specialty. For example, if they're having a heart attack, I would call the cardiologist. Or if they have bleeding in their brain, I would call the neurosurgeon to help manage those aspects of their care. But, you know, you can look at us, the trauma team, as the quarterbacks of their care. So, you know, we take care of a lot of stuff, but the stuff that's very specialized, we call the appropriate specialists. Right. Okay. So with that, can you talk about what a typical day of yours will look like? What time yeah. you get in? What you? Yeah. Absolutely. So today is actually a pretty typical day. It's been pretty busy. So as we start off, I'm part of a very large multi-specialty surgery group. So we start off the morning by a big conference call at 6 a.m. where uh, we go over all the patients we're taking care of at all the different hospitals. And then once we get done with that, then we go to our each our own respective hospitals. So I got to my hospital here at about 7.30. I'd been up since about 5.30 getting ready for the morning phone call. And once I got here at 7.30, we meet and we go over all the patients and review any appropriate CAT scans, any new patients that were brought in over the night. And I'm on call today. So as I came in, there was a gentleman who uh, had what we call a flail chest who needed his ribs fixed and needed a thoracotomy, which I performed. Then we had another gentleman who had a very bad uh, soft tissue infection, uh, which I had to operate on and was a very challenging operation. And I'm on call, so uh, we've had now about six different patients that have come in injured. I'm actually just now getting called on another one that's going to be here in about 10 minutes. Um, and then I'm going to be here all night, and we'll probably go home somewhere between noon and 1 p.m. if I'm lucky. Okay. Now, skills and characteristics. Can you talk about what skills and characteristics are important for line of field you're in? Yeah, I think so. Number one, I think as far as the skills go, I think number one, you have to you have to really, really understand the sacrifice uh, that's made and be willing to make that. Doing what I do, you know, I have, I have a family. I have five kids. Mm -hmm. I probably work on the average of 100 to 120 hours a week. That's kind of ingrained in us from residency. I mean, we work very, very long hours there to get us ready for all of this. And you have to have a very understanding wife, which I, thank God I do, but you don't work a nine to five, you know, right. and on weekends you're working and plenty of times you have to stay the night at the hospital. I mean, that's part of what we do. And I think that uh, you have to have good people skills. What a lot of people don't understand about being a surgeon I think being a doctor, they probably understand it more, but being a surgeon, you know, you have to be able to communicate with people, not just your peers, so you work with a lot of other specialists, but with the patients and their families. Part of their treatment is your communication with the patient and the families, and, and that is of utmost importance as well. 
I think if you focus on doing, you know, something like I do, you have to be someone who doesn't mind staying up all night working because if you're someone who doesn't like working nights, well, don't be a trauma surgeon because right. you're going to have to, <laughs> you know, stay up all night. Right. And sometimes it's all night without any sleep, depending on what's going on. Wow. And then, of course, just to get through medical school, like any other field, you know, whether you go to law school, business school, all these things, there are just certain basic characteristics that you have to understand, perseverance, the hard work. I know I work a lot, but there's other people in other fields who work just as much as I do. You know, this is just what I've chosen to do with my life. Right. Okay. And now, can you talk about what you love about what you do? Part of it, you talked about how broad it is, and that's one thing, but anything else that you love about what you do? Yeah, I think, um, I think you know, a lot of surgeons don't want to go into trauma because it can be kind of chaotic. I mean, someone comes through the door, sometimes you don't know exactly what's wrong with them, but you just dive in there and try to figure it out as quickly as possible and figure out how to help them. You know, one of the things I really enjoy is definitely in the business of trying to save someone's life at times uh, when they come in acutely. And that's not to say other doctors don't save people's lives, but they do it on a slower pace. If you have a cancer or high blood pressure and the doctor's treating these things, yes, they may be saving you from having a heart attack or dying from this cancer, but they're doing it over a long period of time. With me, if someone gets shot, I've got like a couple minutes to make a few key decisions or else a patient could die. Right. And quite often they do. I mean, there are, t there are plenty of times where I've lost patients, but I know that I can lay my head down at night knowing that I did everything I possibly could to try to help save them. Right. The other thing that I enjoy is the critical care. That's a whole different thing where you're in the ICU taking care of patients who are critically ill and you're immediately involved in trying to save their lives as well, too, whether they're in there with a bad pneumonia or some other bad infection. They can't breathe and they're on a breathing machine. But these are all skills that, that you amass in, in the training. And these are the things that I probably enjoy the most. Okay. Now, on the flip side, I know you talked about the late nights, the hours, and also some of the patients that might have lost. But what are some challenges that you face well, one of the biggest challenges I'm facing now, you know, I, I work for a, a big group of surgeons who provide special this specialty care to a number of different hospitals here in Arizona. And I became partner in the group about um, two years ago now. And I was a trauma director at a trauma center in Phoenix up until November, where our group expanded and I'm now in Tucson, actually trying to build a new trauma center. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other level of challenges that I'm involved in right now. And I mean, the patient care stuff is the same, you know, right. now it's actually working with hospital administration and all the other specialists to bring everything together to pass all the requirements that we have before us to be accredited as a trauma center. I'm in the process of doing that right now. All right. So all the business compliance, legal, all that stuff you have to deal with now exactly. as well. All right. Exactly. And do you have any uh, most memorable moments? I think probably one of my most memorable moments was the time when I was in Phoenix and I had a, a young man who had a five-year-old daughter, I think she was five, she was young, who got shot. He got into an altercation with some people at a bar, they shot him, and he came in bleeding to death. I was actually the backup surgeon, so I was called by my partner to come in, and he had been shot in what we call the inferior vena cava, and he was just bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. Mm -hmm. He had already gotten about 50 units of blood at that point in time. And somehow, by the grace of God, we were able to get the bleeding stopped. Throughout the whole course, he ended up getting over 400 units of blood and blood products and actually woke up and got out of the hospital 
and uh, was able to bring his little daughter to the ICU to come trick-or-treating. And, you know, that was just a reminder of why I do what I do. And I've never had a patient require that much blood who lived. Yeah. I may never have that again, but it's definitely one of my most memorable experiences. Wow, that's great. All right. Well, hey, Francis, I know you have to run. We're at the uh, end of this interview. Is there anything additional that you want to add? I would say that, you know, anyone who has any interest in the career in trauma surgery or just surgery or medical school, don't let anyone discourage you from that if that's what you want to do. But you have to accept the fact that you're going to have to work hard and accept that challenge and leave no holes barred and hit it as hard as you can. And there's no question that you can be successful. Cool. And I have these quick hitter questions I could ask you real quick if you have time for that. All right. So first one, what's your favorite sports team? Favorite sports team is going to be the tech, well, Texas Longhorns, any sport in, in, in Texas. Hook them. I got I to gotta go with the Longhorns. All right. Good answer. All right. Favorite movie or show? Favorite movie or show? Uh, so I have a bunch of them, but man, like, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a shout out to my kids because I have, you have kids too, so you know how this is. So I have four daughters and one son. My mm-hmm. oldest is all the rest are all girls. <laughs> and so my favorite movies have resorted to uh, Batman and Wonder Woman. Okay. And uh, my favorite shows uh, are resorted to uh, Justice League, Superhero Girls, and Bubble Guppies. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I guess same here. All right. Favorite musical artist or group? My favorite group was always Outkast. Um, you know, just growing up, they were just all for some reason like they were they were as cut above everyone else. Yeah. But I have pretty broad musical taste. I mean, at any given day, I could be listening to anything. Okay. Um, but I would say Outkast is my favorite group. Favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation spot? Um, I would probably say. Uh, why i had never been there until a couple of years ago and i was there for a medical conference and i was just blown away like gotta make it back there so yeah and last one favorite food or drink favorite food or drink um so my favorite drink the everyday drink is going to be water my favorite drink like if i'm having a drink drink you know uh would probably be a um a gin and tonic and then um and then you said my favorite food? Yep. Uh, favorite food is probably, I like a, ste- a good steak and asparagus. Very simple. Yeah. You yeah. know, you give me a, a filet, and I, I don't like all that porterhouse or all that <laughs> stuff. You just give me the filet, make it uh, medium rare, and give me some asparagus with a little bit of salt and pepper, and that's perfect. And, and a good. glass of wine, that's pretty good. All right. That sounds good to me, too. All right. Well, hey, Francis, thanks a lot. This has been great. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep saving lives. Man, you're an inspiration to many. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.